Welcome to the Daughter with Daddy Issues podcast. Here we get raw, real, and vulnerable. We bring the heart, the mind, the body, and the soul together as we explore the complexities and nuances of the father-daughter relationship. I'm your host, Sirzana, and I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Follow and subscribe for insightful conversations where we share the spice, the sugar, and the salt, where we share lessons, a lot of laughter, some heartbreaks, and everything in between where healing and learning becomes a collective experience. This is the Daughter with Daddy Issues podcast for the daughters and their fathers, because your story matters. Our story matters. Okay, it's been a while since we last spoke, and I am not proud of it. It's been 17 days since I released an episode, and like I said, I am not proud of it, because when I started this podcast, I was so excited and motivated, and I was so dead set on recording two episodes a week, but I released the first two episodes, and then I went a little missing in action for 17 days, but we are here now, back at it. Welcome to episode three, everybody. I have had a couple people reach out to me and ask when episode three is going to be out. And you guys know who you are. And I just want to share how thankful and grateful I am, even if there is just one person who is looking forward to me releasing an episode. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being part of this journey. Truly, thank you from the bottom of my heart. So what have I been up to in the last 17 days? Well, exactly 14 days ago, I had my first ever guest interview for this podcast. All my life, I have had this tendency to really minimize my achievements, big or small, and to catastrophize any failure, big or small. And I want to start healing that pattern. So really want to take 10 seconds to celebrate and express how grateful I am that I started this podcast about three weeks ago and I already have a few brave souls lined up and willing to be part of this conversation. And Nikki, if you are listening to this right now, I am so utterly grateful that you are my first guest speaker. I Cannot thank you enough for sharing your story, for sharing all the lessons that you have extracted from everything you have been through, and for being a powerhouse of a woman that you are, for being so inspiring. And to all my listeners, please stay tuned. There was so much to unpack and learn from that powerful conversation that I had with Nikki, and I am so excited to release it and share with you all. So that's what happened. I have been totally over the moon. I have been in such a role. And then two days later, I lost my job. I lost my job. It was very confusing, uh, very shocking. It came out of nowhere. I did not see that coming at all. And it was pretty surprising because literally a couple months ago, I was the employee of the month. And after that happened, I was literally in bed for days. I reached out to some of my ex-co-workers who had quit a few months ago, and they reassured me how I was not the only one who had experienced losing the job in a similar manner, which is without much of an explanation from the management. So I was pretty down about it, right? But more so I was angry about it, and I figured I will start reconnecting with some of my old friends. And that was helpful because my conversations with them and just... Being in bed, just being introspective really made me want to start re-evaluating 
what I want to do with my life. And also paying attention to a lot of loose ends that I still have to take care of. For example, I have been in this process of finishing something called the trauma certificate. Um, well, it's called the professional trauma certificate, and it is part of the continuing education program from Wilfred Laurier University. I have a few more courses to finish and that will be it. Uh, but the very week that I lost my job, I started looking into where I am in terms of finishing the certificate. And then I enrolled myself in this last minute course called Building Resilience in Children Who Have Experienced Trauma. So I finished that course and then I started organizing my room and cleaning up and packing up a few things or unpacking a few things. And in the middle of it, I came across this note that I had written seven months ago but I had misplaced it. So I'm really glad that I found it. It was basically a description of how I would define the term authentic self, quite a popular term on social media. Personally, I feel it has been quite a confusing wild goose chase to figure out or find out what is my authentic self or my true self. Before I get into the description that I wrote down on this piece of paper, Let's see what the internet says. So I'm on this website called thecenterforgrowth.com. According to this article here, being your true authentic self means what you say in life aligns with your actions. When we aren't in touch with our authentic self, it's easy to go into people-pleasing mode and do and say things based off of what is expected of us or based off of social and peer pressure. Okay, now I really like the mention of the people-pleasing mode here um, and the fact that when we are not in touch with our authentic self or with our values or with our, with a, when we don't have a strong foundation or understanding of ourself, we can really grapple with ideas of what we think will be accepted by other people. And then we may subconsciously emulate that and often unknowingly and without malicious intentions, we may even put on a mask, right? And be a certain way, the way that we feel will be accepted, even if that is pretending to be okay when we are not. And I know, um, well, from my own experience, I know there were many times when I behaved or I showed up in a very hyper, bubbly, cheerful manner because somehow I felt or I knew or I picked up on the cue that if I am that way, then these group of people will be more accepting of me and they will find me fun loving or they will enjoy being around me. And so it creates a fine line. Am I being like an uplifting bunny to have people like me <laughs> and approve of me? Or am I genuinely feeling like being a firecracker right now? And we may not always realize when these shuttle shifts happen. Maybe sometimes we are very quiet in a place because we are afraid that if we say something, we might not be considered as an agreeable individual or we will be called too much of this or too much of that. So these shifts can happen in a subtle, sneaky way, even though they are manipulative in nature. And unless and until we bring awareness and consciously choose how we want to show up, we may continue being a hamster on this people-pleasing wheel. I don't want to digress too much, so let's move on. This is what Richard Schwartz says about the authentic self. 
The authentic self is the core of a person which contains leadership qualities. There are eight C's, compassion, curiosity, clarity, creativity, calm, confidence, courage, and connectedness, and five P's, presence, patience, perspective, persistence, and playfulness. For those who don't know, Richard Schwartz is the founder of Internal Family Systems Therapy, or the IFS model. I learned about the IFS model during one of my therapy sessions all the way back in 2018, and I very much still admire it, and I and I find it very useful. In fact, currently I'm reading a book called Working with Anger in Internal Family Systems Therapy, and I'm so excited to share everything that I'm learning from that book in one of my episodes. But in short, the internal family systems model basically says that our inner world is like our inner family. And within that family, we have parts of us with different subpersonalities and roles and likes and dislikes, often conflicting ones. So that's IFS, you guys. And then I found another article written by Hillary Jacobs, and this is an article from 2023. And this is one of the parts that I really liked. She writes, to feel authentic, we need to know what's happening in our mind and body. If we fear our inner experience, we will avoid ourselves and lose connection to who we are. Specifically, finding our authentic self involves building greater awareness and acceptance of our thoughts, emotions, beliefs, wants, needs, wishes, and desires. Our budding self-acceptance cannot be conditional, but instead a wholehearted self-acceptance. This requires making the effort to compassionately tolerate our flaws and celebrate our virtues. In the process of forming a deeper connection to our authentic self, we will no doubt face aspects of ourselves that we don't like or that no longer serves us. For example, we might uncover a belief that we must be perfect to be loved. We might become aware of defenses like shifting automatically into blaming and judging others and ourselves. So this is a part that Hillary wrote in her article that I really liked and I want to share that it has been quite a while that I have dabbled between the concepts of self-acceptance and self-accountability. Now, self-accountability is not the same as self-flagellation. Self-flagellation is extreme criticism of oneself, and it can be a maladaptive coping mechanism, something that I want to explore with you guys in the future. And... I think one of the common grounds between both the concepts of self-acceptance and self-accountability is self-compassion, right? And it is definitely easier said than done to have self-compassion, especially for those who may have been struggling with complex PTSD or inner toxic shame. Inner toxic shame is one of the flagpole symptoms of complex PTSD. And it was not until that I had to start healing my inner shame that I started healing from certain self-sabotaging behaviors or self-destructive tendencies or even... It wasn't until that I started healing my inner shame that I started healing from my suicide ideation. So when we see definitions like the one by Richard Schwartz of the authentic self and how one of its innate qualities is compassion, compassion towards others and compassion towards self, 
it can offer hope and a powerful foundation for healing as we keep removing these veils within our own psyche, within our own inner world, in search of that authentic self within us. Let's get back to the piece of paper where I wrote down seven months ago how I understood the authentic self. So this is what I wrote. The authentic self is not a persona based on the emotional wounds, stories, or narratives, or the judgments, or beliefs that we may have developed due to difficult, challenging, or traumatic experiences. So I started by trying to explain what I think the authentic self is not. And then I wrote, the authentic self seeks absolute and clear truth. The authentic self understands that there are two sides to every story. It may also understand that both sides of the story can be looked at with understanding and compassion. But there are times when there is only one absolute truth. And the authentic self is devoted to finding that one absolute truth. The authentic self has a very clean and clear sense of awareness of the self and of its surroundings. It also has a very clean and clear sense of discernment. And the authentic self comes from a state of open-heartedness, and it is deeply connected to its intuition. When we carry unresolved emotional wounds, such as abandonment wounds from our childhood, it can prevent us from accessing our true authentic self or embodying our true authentic self. When we have these wounds, especially when I'm talking about abandonment wounds, we can really struggle with conflict. We can really struggle with rejection or we can struggle with the feeling of being unwanted because we are so damn scared that the person that we love might leave us. So we might start people pleasing. We might start even fawning as a trigger response. And then we can even self-abandon as a survival strategy. Or sometimes we are super quick to end a friendship or end a relationship because it feels safer for us to leave before we are left. And abandonment wounds can also make us that individual in the relationship who keeps giving and really struggles to receive. We may feel like we're not good enough and that we have to work really hard to earn someone's love and approval. And it's not just fear of rejection that we can struggle with. We can struggle with very low self-worth, very low self-esteem. We may feel afraid to speak our truth. And sometimes we hide ourselves so much that we can even not have the courage to own up to our own selves, let alone other people, of what we really want. We may not be able to fully give ourselves the credit of the abilities we have, of the skills we have, of the talents we have. And on the other side of the spectrum, abandonment wounds can also make it very difficult for us to trust people. And so we start building up all these walls around us to protect us. And that open-heartedness is not there. Of course, we need to be discerning to who we open up to and who we are vulnerable with. But 
But I think it is a completely different thing when some people feel entitled or almost expect other people to climb walls for them. When you are expecting someone to climb walls for you, there is not much teamwork involved. In my idealistic opinion, I think it's crucial for teamwork to exist, whether that's a friendship or a romantic relationship or a marriage. And the truth of the matter is, this is actually a sign of low self-worth as well. I do admit that there were times when I had expected my ex-partner to be the one to come and coddle me after a conflict and to be the one to initiate repair. And obviously, I had to do my own healing and I had to kind of go through my own journey to understand that just one person cannot be the one responsible in a friendship or a relationship to always initiate a repair. And if you are the one doing that in your relationship and your partner or your friend is okay with such an imbalance, then just know that that's not teamwork and know that it's not sustainable in the long run. So just to quickly summarize, abandonment wounds can lead us to having fear of rejection, difficulty trusting others, low self-esteem, fear of intimacy. The fear of being abandoned, again, can result in a fear of intimacy. And so individuals may avoid getting too close to people to protect themselves from potential emotional pain, which, again, is different from living from a place of open-hearted, authentic self where we are discerning, but we are open to trusting, being vulnerable. We are open to developing a healthy relationship and we are confident in our ability to protect ourselves and also to be able to survive and thrive regardless of how things unfold. We trust ourselves, we trust God, we embrace uncertainty, we are calm, we are curious, we are confident, we are creative, we are courageous, we are playful, we are present, we are persistent. Some other ways that abandonment wounds can manifest is through emotional dysregulation, difficulty setting boundaries, dependency issues, Perfectionism. I really relate with the perfectionism part. Difficulty letting things go. And I have been there. Abandonment wounds can really create a fear of losing control or losing the people that we love so much, making it challenging to let go of relationships, even if they are unhealthy or unfulfilling. And we see this a lot when it comes to trauma bonds, right? And last but not the least, another manifestation of abandonment wounds can be isolation. For me, learning and healing from my self-abandonment tendencies, again, which comes from abandonment wounds, has been such a journey. And I'm still in this journey. I'm still trying to figure out how my self-concept and my self-abandonment tendencies comes from my father wounds or my daddy issues. And I just realized I have been talking so much about abandonment wounds without even defining what is emotional abandonment. So emotional abandonment is the result of a significant person discarding you 
dismissing you, devaluing you, or not acknowledging you. So abandonment wounds at its core refer to emotional injuries resulting from perceived or actual abandonment. And there is absolutely no doubt that there is so many of us who were not only physically, but sometimes emotionally and sometimes unintentionally were abandoned by our fathers. There can be emotional unavailability. If a father is emotionally distant, unavailable, or neglectful, or even punitive, it can leave a child feeling abandoned emotionally. This lack of emotional support can lead to feelings of rejection or even unworthiness. Then there is physical absence. A father can be physically absent from a child's life due to maybe divorce or separation or work commitments or other reasons like he's having an affair with someone else. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm, I'm laughing about that, but I, I don't think it's often talked about how daughters, and maybe sons too, but I can speak, I can speak from, you know, a daughter's perspective, how daughters experience this secondhand betrayal when our fathers are not loyal to our mothers and can get into another relationship behind our mother's backs. Or the secondhand betrayal that we face internally and externally when our fathers cheat on our mothers. And as a child, it can lead us to feeling not just rejected, but abandoned as if we were not good enough for daddy to stay. And different types of father absences can have different effects on people. And this is not an all or nothing, but it is very possible that a child with a father who was inconsistent or unavailable may develop insecure attachment patterns in their adult relationships, right? So... In my opinion, it is important to explore the different father absences and stay tuned for the next episode because that is where we will be exploring more about what is trauma and what are the different types of father absences. I have lived many years without my father. Actually, I have lived more than half of my life without my father and I don't know if you all know, he is, we're not in touch anymore. So I continue to live my life without my father. And if you are someone who has experienced the absence of your father, either emotionally or physically, then I really invite you to stay tuned to my next episode. I am very hopeful that the more we untie the knots from our past and understand how the absence of our fathers may have affected us, then the more we can learn how to be present with ourselves and to be present with those around us, the more we learn about our self-concept and why or how we show up in our relationships. And the more we can identify that we may have needed certain things as a child from our caregivers, but we didn't receive it at the time. And we can learn how to offer that to ourselves now in our healing journey. And we can also learn how to offer that to our future children. 
And we need to learn that and we need to heal ourselves as much as we potentially can so that we're not just here complaining about the intergenerational trauma or the intergenerational wounds that we inherited so that we don't pass on that intergenerational wound or trauma anymore. I am sure that everyone has heard hurt people hurt people. Well, healed people heal people. So my question to everyone is, can we really call ourselves compassionate beings or responsible beings if we do not prioritize our healing so we can stop hurting other people, whether that's subconsciously or consciously, knowingly or unknowingly? Hey, y'all. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Daughter with Daddy Issues podcast. I am so thankful that you were here. We hope our candid conversations have resonated with you or simply provided a moment of connection. If you enjoyed our show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. I welcome and invite you to share your thoughts, feelings, stories. If you're interested in having a conversation or being a guest speaker, please email me at thedaughterwithdaddyissues at gmail.com. Or you can follow and DM me on my Instagram handle at thedaughterwithdaddyissues. Please stay tuned for the next episode. And remember, you are not alone. Because every story deserves to be heard, especially the ones with some sugar, salt, and spice. And I thank you for being part of my story. See you soon.